0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Got a special guest on today and this is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. Got Jason Price with me today. Jason's the executive director of Grand Slam Club Ovis, and if anybody that remembers, I had Jason on here would have been about a year ago, right when you took the position at Grand Slam Club Ovis, Jason, and to say that you've hit the ground running is a understatement. Um, I've loved all the changes I've seen coming out. I know you've got a special one that you're going to announce on the show today. Um, also want to talk about the changes you guys have done with the convention which I think are great tying along um, with with another convention that's going on that's exciting. but how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great Mark. How are you?
1: Good good. happy to happy to finally nail you down for an hour here to, to catch up and see what how your life's been and all the exciting changes you've been doing
2: yeah for sure it's been pretty crazy but uh it's been a lot of fun
1: so the the big question now that you've moved into this and into the the hunting industry full time, I'm guessing your actual hunting has gone down, correct
2: yeah considerably <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, yeah it's uh it's pretty much full time so hunting is has been definitely put uh more on the back burner than ever before for me uh but hopefully you know we're we're making some uh a lot of cool changes, a lot of good things going on at GSCO, and, you know, I'll get to get out there here pretty soon.
1: Oh, that's perfect. So do you have any any exciting trips planned?
2: I don't yet. I mean, and I say all that, and, and people that listen to the podcast and know me will know I just got back from Mongolia, and they'll think, you know, I'm a liar. So I did actually get to go to Mongolia. I was able to mix a little hunting in with, with some business, but um, really cool things going on there, and the listeners may already be aware that we're able to – now finally import uh, Argalis from Mongolia. So um, a lot of, a lot of good positives going on in Mongolia.
1: That is, it was, uh, I heard that come out not too long ago. Um, what can you like for, for the listeners? Cause a lot of them will see that, okay, you can start importing um, Argalis again <coughs> and just see that. But like, what can you share from being, being one of the guys in the room of, of what it was like to actually get that across the line to get it approved again?
2: <coughs> you know, I mean, I, Of course, I'd like to take a lot of credit for it, but I think the credits really do uh, across the board of all the conservation organizations and U.S. Fish and Wildlife. I I think a lot of it was timing, uh, but I also, I mean, I applaud all those conservation organizations for what I believe is the first time ever that we've all come together and, you know, in one meeting uh, with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And we're able to kind of ask the questions that, you know, our hunters and our, our members have been asking you know, for a long time, but we're able to ask the questions, get the answers and, and be a part of, or help be a part of the solution.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great. How, and how long did it, like, I mean, you were there, how long did it take to actually get what was needed to get this across the line and our galley's well, coming back? You know,
2: I, I mean, it, it's, it's a long story really, but I think it was, you know, we got in this position, you know, I think there was a combination of just bad luck. I mean, mm-hmm. COVID, uh, the online permit process that U.S. Fish and Wildlife adopted. Um, you know, working from home. I, I, I think there was just there was a lot of bad luck that led to this. That led to, to you know them not being imported to start with. Um, I, I think there was contrary to what many believe. I think there was a big effort and desire on U.S. Fish and Wildlife's part to get this done. And um, I, I think that was probably misrepresented throughout the, you know, the hunting industry mm-hmm. to get it done. So coupled with the fact that, you know, the involved, and we were able to help in certain aspects of, of situations or issues. Um, I think it was like I said before, it was a timing issue and it was good that we all came together to to make it uh to
1: get it across the finish line like you said. Oh, that's awesome. What other ones like what other ones like that are you are you working on too just so we're we're working on Tajikistan. Um there
2: is there's some translation issues with Tajikistan. Tajikistan's um pretty cool. I mean you and I were together yep. in Tajikistan. You actually completed your triple slam there if I remember correctly. That is, that is correct. With the Marco Polo so yep. that's, that's pretty cool. But Tajikistan um you know cool country but it's a little bit different of how they do their conservation uh, projects there on the ground, or um, you know what um, that criteria is for U.S. Fish and Wildlife? So it comes from multiple places. One comes from the government, one comes from the operator, and one comes from like uh, operator and government involvement. Um, it's, it's called an act report, and I think that's what we've been having the most trouble with. So it's like an after-hunt report, which is kind of like our harvest reports here in North America, but. Um, they're, you know, those in Tajikistan, ironically, are considerably more detailed. Well, those reports are filled out by, you know, the local people, and they're filled out in Tajik. Well, when that all that information comes to U.S. Fish and Wildlife, you know, it comes into Tajik, t- t- and um, it's time-consuming to translate it. It's expensive to translate it. Mm-hmm. So, um, Wildseed Foundation actually has some guys working on that translation. Uh, there's some guys there in Tajikistan working on that translation. So, hopefully, Tajikistan is something that that will be addressed in you know, this next year. And again, I mean, I'm speaking on my behalf and not U S fish and wildlife. Uh, but you know, hopefully we can, we can make some headway with that and the importation for the Marco Polo will start up again.
1: Now are for the U S fish and wildlife. Is it to say, is it the same, um, uh, people that you're working with on Mongolia and Tajikistan? It is. It is. It okay, is.
2: And, and it's, it's a zoom meeting. Uh, we have pretty much quarterly and we've been doing them for the last year. So, um, really really cool uh to be able to work with those guys to um to, to make a difference
1: it is and it's I assume like are the are the people there have they been there for a while too in the fishing game like they've
2: yeah they, they have I mean obviously you know from you know I've been doing the imports for a long time so there's been some turnover of that but the last few years it's the same guys I mean but they're they are understaffed to a certain extent so you know I, and I think they're addressing those but uh-huh. I think the the, the two things from a hunter's standpoint that we should be extremely optimistic about is number one the conservation organizations are actually working on trying to to facilitate the importation but number two and, and really probably the most important that u.s fish and wildlife understands the value of hunting and, and and conservation through hunting and and they've made
1: those comments you know multiple times that's actually great to hear and you don't yeah. you know, like I've never heard that before. Like that's great yeah. to, it's great to actually hear that they understand that and that that's part of the reason why they're working on so hard to get these things done. So, yeah. Well, all right. well, let's move on to so the big one or well, there are a couple big ones I wanted to talk today, but one of the one of the main ones I saw one of the moves you've done since be, being in there um, which I think has been a great one is is some of the changes you've done with uh, the Grand Slam Club Ovis Convention. So just walk walk through what what it looks like moving forward for this coming year.
2: Yeah, I mean this this collaboration or partnership that we have with with SCI is is it's really cool. And um I mean you can think of it from a, a bunch of different perspectives, but I mean we focused on the outfitter perspective, uh the attendee perspective mm-hmm. and, and the overall value of of attending a convention and 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 partnering with someone like SCI was, I mean, really a no-brainer in this. So, basically, what it is, um, you know, SCI's convention goes from—I might mess up these dates because my head's all over the place—but SCI's dates are January 31st through February 3rd, I believe. Um, and and we will be February 3rd and February 4th. Um, the little bit of confusion was, well, how are you guys going to have you know a convention at the same time as SCI? Well, it's really. We really do that, you know, in partnership with those guys on February 3rd, especially. Um, we're going to be doing the Pantheon, presenting the Pantheon together with SCI, which, as you know, I think we spoke about in the last podcast. That's a, that's an award that's really a joint award with SCI and GSCO. So really cool that we get to do that actually together for the first time. So, yeah. Uh, that'll be Saturday night. That kind of kicks off the GSCO stuff. And then, you know, we're, we're calling Sunday GSCO Super Sunday, which... we start off a life member breakfast um really cool this year um with with our our guest speaker you know he's he's uh he's ventured into uh into the riding world and uh jim shockey so that's going to be a really cool uh guest speaker for our life member breakfast Mm -hmm. and then we do awards at lunch and dinner um kind of one thing we'll be doing from 9 a.m to 5 p.m through that day there'll be some vendors in there but there'll be more vendors with products like who you'll be there Gunworks will be there. Um, you know, just one thing that I've learned through, you know, the history of going to these conventions, especially if, if you're an outfitter is, you know, a lot of times it's just, it's too difficult to get out of your booth because you're so busy. that you got to go around and, and see some of those vendors. Um, so we'll have those gaps within our program. So, you know, the outfitters can, can be a part of GSCO as well as go, you know, sit down and talk to some of the vendors and check out some of the new products, the new guns, the new clothing, stuff like that. Um, but in addition to all that um we will have our gsco uh, membership lounge there at the convention SCI, so guys can come by have drinks um get some snacks that we have lunch on uh, friday and saturday we have a ton of seminars um both friday and saturday those seminars are really set up this year to kind of introduce scis membership to what gsco is um, our milestones, our awards, um, and and what it is that we do in in the hunting industry. So really cool opportunity for us to spread our brand to not necessarily a a new audience, but, you know, an audience that hasn't been able to come to our
1: conventions for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's great. Also, I think it's a, it's going to be good for you to get to the East coast too, right? Not always just doing it over there in Vegas, because I think that opens (laughs) it up to more people being able to make it.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think people came. I think for us, for GSCO, it was Vegas was great, but Vegas was one of those destinations that great for our membership and not great for membership recruitment. Yep, yep. Um, so you know, this is this is a, a great opportunity for us. For you know, both of those. I mean, Nashville is a, a great venue. Um, last year's SCI convention was, <laughs> I'm gonna, i is the best convention I've ever gone to. It was great. I mean, on you know. Exhibit floor was was very busy. Um, tons of outfitters. Um, the evening events were great. The entertainment was great. Um, so, you know, if someone's choosing one convention to go to,
1: then uh, I think we gave them a little added reason to do so. I, I I mean, I fully agree with everything. I When you guys announced that, I was like, oh, man, this is genius from both sides. It works for SEI and it works for you guys. And it's a, yeah, I think so. I think so. Great. I mean, not partnership may not be the word for it, but it's a great partnership moving forward.
2: It really is. And I think we've been I mean, we've been partners with SCI for quite some time, obviously, with the with the, the Pantheon, uh, but in other ways as well. And, you know, SCI was a big part of, of us getting started with, you know, the, um, the group of conservation organizations that's working with U.S. Fish and Wildlife now. So
1: yeah. um, all good stuff. Um, what are some, I know the Mongolia, Tajikistan, what other projects do you guys have going on right now at grand grand slam club? So one of the big ones we have is the French mainland Corsican Mouflon, Okay. um,
0: which
2: I just got back from France just a few days ago, actually. Um, and you know, I've been part of conservation projects here in the U S but never really a part of a project internationally. So I, I didn't have a lot of expectations, but I was, I was blown away. It was uh, very well organized. Um, the community there, it, it's, it's different there. And, and what I'm going to say is, is will shock a lot of North American hunters, especially the guys that listen to this podcast. They value the boar hunting way above the, that of the sheep hunting. Oh, I mean, everything. You've seen it when oh, you've been yeah. over there. And it, they were a little confused that, you know, there was this organization that was willing to, you know, to do things that, that helped the sheep. Uh and, and, and they do help the boars as well, but um they, they help the sheep and, and they were that was a little bit of confusion and probably some hesitancy on their their part to even have some sort of project with us to start with. But um the FOA was created uh, a year and a half ago. It's a French outfitters association. Anyone hunting in the southern part of France is welcome to be a part of that association. It's it's as long as, you know, you don't have any um, you know, baggage or You've been convicted of some felony or something in France, or mm-hmm. have some sort of hunting violations. Uh, it's pretty straightforward to be involved in the FOA, uh, and all we ask is that you know, guys going over there to hunt the the Corsican mouflon, is that they hunt with one of the approved French Outfitter Association members, and uh, each one of the hunters, uh, upon completion of the hunt, pay a four thousand dollar conservation fee to the FOA, and then that money is used for the conservation. Of the French mainland Corsican mouflon, the the thing about it is, is like I said before, I mean the value of the sheep was just not there, and and doing this project, recognizing the species, immediately brought the value back to the animal, which was was really cool. So seeing that transition from really from them calling it wolf bait all the way to now it's you know it's a ten to fourteen thousand dollar hunt, and and hunters are you know contributing four thousand dollars on top of that to conservation. So the first project. We did uh, 100% of the funds went to the conservation of the animal. There was no administrative costs, no management fees, no nothing. Um, it was really cool. They did about six hectares of clearing, uh, heavy mulching clearings, and, and then they did about three and a half hectares of light mulching. They did about 10 or 12 hectares of cultivation. It was really a cool project. So um, that, one's, that one's unique in the sense that, you know, you had this, instant effect and you get to see truly how you know hunting can be
1: a powerful conservation tool yeah. and and hunters dollars exactly and what the the difference they can do
2: oh yeah and i mean the the really strange thing down there was there's no domestics so there's no cattle there's no sheep there's no goats really to speak of so that's the reason that it's so important to do this heavy grazing is because there's just no open places for the sheep to come out and feed. Mm -hmm. And, and another thing that, that I learned there that's completely crazy is these, these areas that are open up for them to feed also obviously keep them in the area, which, you know, as hunters, we thought, okay, that's great, but they really want to do it for, you know, more than just that purpose. They want to keep them in the area because even the boars, if they extend beyond that perimeter into the farmland and they tear up the farm, well, the hunting groups and organizations, have to reimburse or pay for those damages, uh, which is is crazy that that you're you're li- as a hunter there you're liable for paying for damages done by a wild animal. It's it's just it's hard to wrap your mind around.
1: That is that is I didn't know that either, and I've hunted there. I I didn't I didn't know that and spent some time. Yeah, with absolutely hunting crazy. Well, I like when Dad and I hunted in uh, France. It was crazy because of the a lot of what we tried to tell in the story is the history behind those boar hunting clubs oh yeah and i mean people come from far and wide to hunt those on the weekend i mean we're and it's and it's an event right it's kind of like yeah. opening day of deer season here in michigan or a lot of places i mean there'll be 30 some people in there and it's the event of hunting in the morning a giant lunch in the afternoon and then hunting in the afternoon and then a bigger dinner at night and people are yeah. just there and they're they're celebrating hunting in the and just but they've been the, the people have been going there for 30 years right like you're it's a club and membership and it's all exciting it is. It's super traditional, um, but really cool. Great guys, and, you know, and really the first area that the FOA chose
2: to have this project is made up of 12 of those communities. And each one of those communities is made up of a hunting club. They've got a president for the hunting club. And just like you said, they've, they've got a little lodge where they bring their lunches and their dinners. And, and you know, it's all about the dogs. It's all about the mm-hmm. chase, the pursuit. And, and and it's you know, it's very rich in tradition. It, it was really cool to see it. I, you know, I learned a lot. And I think, like I said the last time on the, the podcast with you, I was completely a fish out of water. And when I took this job, I thought I knew a lot about hunting, and and I realized I didn't know that much at all. And every single you know day, I learned a little bit more. Yep. And still, a year and a half into it, I'm telling you, I still don't know that much.
1: Well, it's a it's a it's a it's such a big world, right? Everybody's it's got a big their world own out there. Traditions and <laughs> heritage and so forth, like that. The the one I can remember when we were there in in France is that when somebody shot a boar, it was like everybody did the celebration was for the group, not the individual. Yeah. And that's, that was so refreshing to see, right? Like everybody was generally excited when somebody shot a boar as part of their group. Um, and just seeing that and experiencing it was awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. It's And it was cool. I mean, I, I was um, happy. I got to be involved in that.
2: I did get to do one of the driven boar hunts that afternoon. Um, I didn't, I wasn't a part of of any of the shooting, but Uh I did get to experience it. And, and it's just, I mean, there's a big communication gap anyway. I mean, and it's France, so it's not like a third world country. Like we go to, you know, Mongolia or Tajikistan or Kyrgyzstan, but I mean, it's a very civilized country, obviously, but it's still a huge communication gap. But I mean, once again, I mean, you know, hunting is kind of that, that universal language and you just kind of got it.
1: So it it was cool to be a part of it. No, that's awesome. So like, I know we, we kind of touched on it a bit earlier with Mongolia, and Tajikistan. What what else is like the, the changing climate for trophy imports around the world? Like you see stuff coming from, uh, Europe, and uh, they're, they're looking at in Europe. I say Europe, it's England looking at banning certain things. Like, I mean, you're in the industry. What do you see just as the climate? Is it getting worse? Is it starting to, to lessen up a little bit?
2: You know, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's kind of funny you bring that up because I think as an industry unintentionally we probably operate under that fear factor a lot the fear of losing hunting opportunities
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh the fear of losing importation opportunities and uh you know I'm, I'm glad you worded it like that because you know is it better or is it worse and and I think as, as hunters maybe not even hunters just as human beings we tend to jump to the negative side of it quicker than than maybe looking at it mm-hmm. and, and making a, a better assessment and, and and I say all that because I read a letter from C.J. McElroy to, I think it was Bob Householder, maybe Dennis Campbell, but this this letter was, you know, 1980s, um, and in the letter, it talks about gun restrictions, hunting restrictions, and if I were to change the name of that and it came from Laird Hammerlin to Jason Price, I don't think you'd be able to tell that it was you know 70 years ago. Sixty years ago, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I think we face the same problems today as we faced back then, in a different way. Um, Yeah, I've, I've the English stuff. um, You know, obviously that's discouraging, but you know, at the same time, we're about to be able, uh, you know, we are able to import our galleys, which we were not two and a half years. Yep. So you know, there's been positive movement there. Um, I I think there's always going to be this pressure. Because there are those that truly believe that everything we do is wrong,
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: so there's always going to be that pressure. But you know how we handle ourselves and how we perceive that um, is going to be a big part of it.
3: Exactly. Oh. A lot
2: of the times, we're our own worst enemies, uh, just by jumping to those conclusions that you know things are worse. Yep. Now, yep. You know, are they any better? I, I, I can't. I can't. I couldn't say that either. Uh, but I don't. I, I choose to believe they're not any worse. And I choose to believe that we can have an effect on making them better.
1: Yeah, I fully agree yes. with you. It's groups like it's the work that you guys are doing that that gives the bright and shiny right in the future. Like right. there are groups that are standing up for us as hunters and, and you and SCI and others are the yep. ones that are leading the front on that. Right.
2: And I, and I think that's what's cool about it
1: right now. I think we can stand as individuals and fail and, you know, or we can stand together
2: and succeed. But mm-hmm. and I somebody's probably said that that's a lot more intelligent than me. But um, I think that you know the other all the conservation organizations have this, and, and maybe they always have, and I'm just new to it. But there's this a, a willingness to work together, and, and that's the thing that I've been really the most uh, proud of is that that everyone is willing to work for the same common goal, and, and it's uh, it's refreshing.
1: And that's such a big thing, right? If you if you have six conservation groups and they're all working their own direction it's not as not as powerful as if you get, get sure. a couple of them working together for a common good now you can get yeah. a lot of stuff done for sure
2: and then i think you know the willingness of all the organizations and i mean like you know sportsman's alliance Houston safari club dallas safari club Wildlife foundation um obviously gsco and sci uh, John Jackson, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that you know are all working really to this common goal, and and um, I I think it's the best approach for us. It's it's paid dividends so far, and you know I think if um, we continue to do it, then things will only get better. Now, are there going to be hurdles or setbacks? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have control of everything here. Uh, we probably have a, a lot less control of of anything really, but um, working together is definitely the way to go forward.
1: Hundred percent. 100%. So just give, a, for anybody that's listening, I probably should have done this at the beginning, but for um, Grand Slam Club Ovis, like, it's set up. There's awards are such a big part of celebrating, and it's how you guys kind of set up your foundation. Um, like, just to explain, the, explain how that's kind of the base, and then I've got a few awards I'd love to touch base with you on and, and just kind of go over um, what they are, and then also how people can get registered and so forth.
2: Yeah. I mean, the the thing about GSEO is we are probably a little bit more u- different or unique than any other conservation organizations. I mean, we use our list, awards, and milestones to take sight and motivate uh, hunters to go out and pursue animals in this great big world that you and I were just talking mm-hmm. about. Um, so, you know, we... There, in in turn end up being the conservationist. And and it's, it goes back to, you know, do we want to single-handedly do that as an organization or do we want to empower and motivate, you know, everyone in pursuit of our milestones to be the conservationist? And and I think that has a, a far greater impact than, than a lot of uh, other models. Uh, you know, the more that we're out doing it, obviously, you know, adds the value to the species. And I mean, we could talk about, you know, obviously, you know, the sheep and, and the price of those, which, you know, some have gotten out of hand and, yep. and you know i've talked about that before and but at the same time i mean people are paying those and, and good things are coming out of it because uh, of the conservation value of protecting the species i mean there's we're not i mean you know our organization is about africa but there's africa is one of the you know the most obvious um places where you know conservation is, is so evident in hunting so um but, but, you know, GSCO is, is that organization that, you know, we try to try to get as many people out there in pursuit of our milestones, and, and those guys end up uh, being, you know, the conservationists.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, let's go – let's dig into some And of I know the I awards. fumbled
2: that all up, but, you know, when somebody puts you on the spot, it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult to roll it off, off your tongue. Yeah,
1: no, completely. And, yeah, so- and
2: if your editor will play the –
1: no, the intro
2: no, listen. And we, the were end. Do- we were We were doing. People will understand we were, exactly what it is I'm talking about. We
1: were doing just fine. We were doing just <laughs> fine here, and then you got to bring that up again. So now, he, now well, he's now he's going to have to play it. So yeah,
2: you know, you know, when you struggle yourself, then it's always it's always better to throw somebody else under the bus.
1: Yeah, and you did. So this is this is probably going to be the time that Jack's going to edit in and, and throw. What my my intro yeah. is, and this is—I yeah. I don't remember what number <laughs> podcast this is—and I've I've never messed up an intro before, <laughs> and I spitballed three of them, possibly four of them here, and just couldn't get—I could not get it spit out. And it's a Tuesday morning; it's not even like it's a Friday here, just a Tuesday morning. I couldn't get it spit out, but yeah, thank you, Jason. Well, it made me
2: feel better. It got us off to a good start, so. uh if if I fumble up any more, then you know. Hopefully, the editor would just you know throw just, in your stuff over the top. Just
1: keep playing that one again, yeah. and again, while Jason messed yeah. up a little bit. Let's make let's make <laughs> it feel better. Here's Marks again. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, let's let's dig in. So, let obviously right, Grand Slam Club Ovis, So it's it's the the Super Slam. Um, like talk about your main awards, and then there's some other newer, I guess you call it yeah. newer ones over the last couple of years that you guys have have started that I want to dig into too.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll run down them, uh, and if I miss them again, it's I, I'm doing this off memory. Uh, just starting, obviously, with the Grand Slam, the four North American sheep. Um, you know, we are Grand Slam Club Ovis, so Grand Slam's kind of the, the granddaddy of them all for us. Uh, but that doesn't mean any of the other ones are less important. You know, we're Grand Slam Club Ovis, so the recognition of Grand Slammers, I think we're at 2,294 at the I've registered Grand Slammers, which is really cool.
3: That is awesome. Uh,
2: so then we have the Super 10. I kind of try to go in, in, in order, so I yeah. don't get them mixed up. But the Super 10, uh, U3, sorry, U3, uh, Super 10, Super 25, Super Slam, uh, the Ovis World Slam, Rex Baker Super 40, Slam Quest Pinnacle, uh, Capra Slam, Triple Slam, Magnificent 7, the Ovis, and the Pantheon. So I mean and I'm, I'm quite sure I missed one in there, but that's
1: that's what they are. So like on, on some of these, so the super slam for anybody that's listens, North America 29. Right? Yep. Yep. That's so it's, right. it's it's that's the uh, like if you're a North American hunter, there are two that are obviously the pinnacle. It's the Grand Slam, which is the Grand Slam of Sheep, and then it's the um Super Slam, which is the North America 29. Um, right. And I
2: think you're close to you're trying you were at one point you were trying to do that with a rifle a bow and a muzzle yep right? and i'm
1: still i'm still chipping away on on all of them here i've i mean covid messed up a lot of my a lot of my plans i would have been and, done a couple <sighs> years ago now it, now it looks like probably not this coming year i'll be within one with the rifle for this coming year yeah. and then i'll get it in 25 if everything goes right um baron let's i tell you what the barren ground caribou buddy it is Oof. kicking at my butt it's the only yeah, one i've but been just, a, i mean
2: been it's hard twice. for me to wrap my head around
1: super slam archery. I mean, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it, and I'm I'm part. I mean, that it right is now. that's got to be one of the greatest
2: hunting accomplishments in the world. And I'm not trying to take away from any of the other ones, but super slam archery.
1: Listen, so <laughs> I uh, I I just got a free range bison. Uh, Two weekends ago, my daughter and I yeah. went out and she shot one with a rifle. I got one with a bow and and That's so awesome. I mean, it's probably the biggest target you can have with a bow, right? Like there's not there's nothing bigger. It's literally the size of a barn.
2: You didn't mess it up like the intro, did you?
1: Listen, we were out there and the winds were were just humming. And like I admit to everybody, I've I've done a lot of bow hunting. I learn more bow hunting every time I hit the field, especially spot and stalk than anything. Because okay, spot and stock with a rifle, spot and stalk with a muzzle loader, right? you like you're, you're sure you're, even with a muzzle loader, like you gotta close that distance a little bit more. Yeah. Wind, but you still have range. Wind matters, angles matter, but yeah, you still got you still got range with it. Now with a bow, yep. I mean, you gotta get in their bedroom, right? You got oh. you're you're close. So we're we're stalking in a group of bulls and there are four bulls together. Well Listen, a bison's not fast, right? It's not outrunning anything, but I mean, they're out in the open with no cover. So now you're using these, these small hills that I was using, trying to cut the distance and and get in on them. And I've never hunted in 30 to 40 mile an hour winds for sound, right? For sound. It's awesome. They can't hear you. Can't hear you for scent. It's like brown bear hunting. Yep. For scent. It's amazing, right? Get that wind at any angle to where they can't cut you. And it's blowing so strong that there's there's no circle, there's nothing like that. So, I'm, like in my head, I'm like, hey, this is awesome. Now, I'm they're bedded down, and I'm like, I'm 20 yards away, and I can just see the top of their back. There's nothing I can do, right? But I'm 20 yards, so I I stand up, and they angle, and it's a bad angle, right? I'm not going to put it anywhere near that front <laughs> shoulder at a bad angle, and just watch my arrow bounce off. So they do this little, they, they trot away, and it's at 60 now. Broadside, size of a truck, a Mack truck standing there. I'm sitting full back, just, I can picture this arrow just going perfectly in there. I let that thing go. I've never had wind blow an arrow like that before. It went straight from vitals right to the guts in no time whatsoever. And I just sat there as that arrow buried up to the fletching. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Just, are you kidding me? Right. So now you got an arrow. You got an arrow in it, right? Good and bad. It slowed down, (laughs) but now it's. uh, You got to get in there because it's. It's not going to kill it instantly. So now you got to get in there, get a second arrow, and that just kicked off an eight-hour, just trying to get another arrow in there. But I've. And it's for me, right? Like I released the arrow was perfect. And you can see in the film, that arrow just drifts right in the wind the whole, the whole time, just a hard drift to the right. And it's one for me, like I I live along Lake Michigan and I shoot my bow a ton outside, but where I'm at, even though it's windy, it's kind of down in a little gully. I'm I've never had, and first of all, I'm never going out. I've never gone out to shoot in 30 mile an hour wind. Yeah. Right. That's my fault. Right, it's one hundred percent my fault. I like yeah. I've never shot talked in those it, conditions.
2: We've talked about that before, and I think we actually talked about it on the last podcast, yeah. or maybe you and know, I just privately talked about it. When especially rifle hunting, and, and I'm sure what, actually you know with this story, it's all oh, it's true. But you never want to aim outside the body.
3: It, your mind doesn't allow means, it. Mm,
2: your yeah, mind that wind.
1: You're it. aiming in front of his face. Ex- well, so now Ju- Jud, the guide I was with, guide outfitter, and. When you stalk in, the bison knows something wrong. I could I could not get it to stop for a shot. You'd get in, and it would be like just at forty five or fifty, and it's a weird angle walking right because it knows something's wrong. Yeah. And you get in there, and I hear him. You gotta lead it and play the wind. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Absolutely not. I can't do. I'm I'm leading it while it's walking, and I'm playing the wind. No. <laughs> My brain is on overload of trying to comprehend of what I got to do to put this arrow in there now. But let's—it's one of those things though. I, it, it all worked out in the end, right? Yeah. Great, great buffalo with with a bow. But again, like it's one of those things. I'm like, man, I'm not ready to go up after a sheep yet. After yeah. that, like I, going up on a sheep, there are winds up there now. Am I probably going to draw back in thirty to forty mile an hour winds again? I hope not. But yeah. there's a chance, and I just got to. So now, when I, since I've been back, we get bad windy weather days. That's when I'm out shooting now because I know my bow's on. At this point sure. it's just me. Yeah. I need to yeah. work on angles and I need to work on weather. So now in bad weather days, I'm out shooting to play the wind yeah. for when I'm in the field. So my and it's one of those things like it happens so quick with a rifle because I've done it so much I can instantly yeah. make those changes. Oh, for sure. But yes. with a bow, you have that and I'm like, Oh yeah, just brain is just sitting there trying to comprehend what you need to do yes. next and it's just slower. So you just need yeah, to do, it, do it more. No. That's, I've got the ultimate respect for for archery hunters and and especially those guys that
2: you know we complete any of our milestones with with archery equipment. But man, this the super slam. That's just you know, or, or a guy like Gary Bogner. You know, he's done the pantheon with the bow. That's
1: it's incredible. That's yeah, just insane. So like, I break down the the super slam with the bow, and i I've, I've been trying to do everything. Like, not just complete the rifle, but do muzzleloader hunts and and archery hunts at the same time to keep it it going, right? And what tags I draw mean a lot. And just going, like, with a bow, I'm not picking the same spots with a bow that I'm archery hunting that I'm rifle hunting, right? Like, with a bow, I'm just being open and honest. I need to go to higher success areas. Absolutely. Some that I know I can't just do on one stalk. Now, when it gets to sheep, like... I keep kicking that can down the road eventually i'm gonna have to go and go and do my first one right and it's probably gonna be unsuccessful and i'm gonna spend 12 days there and it's it's not gonna be fun right but i'm gonna have to go and do it to learn along the way and, and and just get it done
3: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Um, I'm a believer in using the best. And that's exactly what Gunworks rifles are. The best on the market. If you want to sharpen your skills and ability, make sure to check out their Long Range University. From the rifle build to the perfect shot, Gunworks is your partner in the pursuit of long range perfection, 1,000 yards out of the box. WTA Tags is a full service licensing program available to today's sportsmen. Bottom line, they help hunters draw the very best limited entry big game tags. They offer professional consultation, on where to apply and then properly complete and submit your applications to the states. Tags has the easiest, most reliable and most complete service to assist you in drawing that tag of a lifetime. For a free Tags consultation, call 1-800-755-8247 or visit them online at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com slash tags. That's WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com slash tags t-a-g-s no matter where i'm hunting in the world i'm always wearing my mindle boots i guess you could say that i sort of live in my mindle hunting boots and right now at mindelusa.com, you can use promo code mpjourney to get a free pair of socks when you order up a pair of boots again that's promo code mpjourney at mindelusa.com. now back to the journey within oh,
2: that's, i mean I, I know we got off on a rabbit hole there but i just can't i it's hard for me as a rifle hunter to to imagine the challenge of, of doing the super slam with with a bow.
1: Well, it'll keep me it'll keep me young for a long time. Yeah, so for that's sure. How, that's how I look. at for it. For sure.
2: And, you know, that's another cool thing about our, our you know our milestones is it, it definitely keeps you young.
1: Yeah, and it, and it gives. I think every everybody needs something to shoot for, right? Like everybody yeah. needs a goal in life. Yeah, I, I know people have got family goals and work goals, and like I found with hunting, like. I like hunting goals as well. And that's what a lot of the awards do for me. Um, it forces new experiences, which I love new experiences in the field. Like, you know, at the time it may not seem great. Like how many times did you go to Alberta bighorn hunting? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. See, See? See? i
2: not already mentioned you messing up. I Uh, would have done that now.
1: Yep. But Uh, you already did. You got that out of the way, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. So I'm a resident of Alberta now. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But it's it's one of those <laughs> one of those things like it for like you wanted to go there to get your grand slam, right? Yeah. So you, you you force yourself, and now you look back at it after all your trips there, and it it seems great, right? Like you don't remember yeah. all the the nasty days on the hillside or weathered in and all the stuff you went through to 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 do it, and that was a goal that made you do that as part sure. of your life and like i i sit there a lot of those things in the field of hunts and experiences and it's made me a better stronger person on the other side from going through some of that stuff
2: for sure and i mean i think one of the one of the things for us is not not everyone is 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 a list oriented hunter you know Mm -hmm. not not everyone's into the awards and then i get it that's 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 not a problem the cool thing about gsc on and i've had like a friend of mine dan evanson he he was telling me and he's an archery guy. He's about to complete his archery super slam he's a young guy which is it's phenomenal he's about to do that but you know we were just we were just talking about it he's like well i'll submit my trophies when i complete it and i was like no do them as you go because then we get to all kind of enjoy the the process we get to enjoy your journey yep and um that's what makes it cool and and it's a it's a celebration of those achievements it's you know, it's the good times and the bad. You know, the hard times actually make the good times better.
1: And make it make it more rewarding, for sure. Yep, that's how I look at it. As the the tough yeah. times make it when it finally works out more rewarding. Yep, for sure. No, that's that's yeah. So, In like, so we I, do
2: have a brand new milestone coming, and and we're going to announce it. You know, on you know WTA is a very great partner. GSEO. Uh we did this new partnership with with the WTA last year, and it. It's worked out really well for 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 GSCO and, and hopefully for WTA members. Um, with our Super Ten platform, uh, we've seen a, a great response from the Super Ten aspect from from reports and guys and pursue the Super Ten. Uh, but but the Super Ten is not easy. It, it's it's a difficult milestone and and sheep hunting is difficult. And we wanted to create a milestone that really kind of. Was the the launching point for for GSCO milestones and, and one that would ultimately help, you know, the younger guys, the guys just getting into GSCO to to accomplish the Super Ten. Um, about a year ago, I think we mentioned it maybe on your podcast before that we started the My Ten program. I th- actually I think that came out a little later. Mm-hmm. And and the My Ten program allows guys to sign up as a membership program. It's twenty five dollars to be a part of it as a My Ten member. Um, and, you know, these are made up of guys that, you know, or girls that have not completed the Super 10. And uh, we have a a hunt giveaway that we give away that we will give away at each convention. It's a must-be-present to win, and uh, the winner, drawn will come up on stage, and they will pick the hunt that they want to go on from their remaining list of their Super 10 and uh so that was kind of the, the start of it and it's progressed into now an all-new milestone called my 10. and the my 10 milestone uh the hunter chooses their 10 species so any 10 species from our super slam list or from the rex baker super 40. so you know if somebody really loves deer hunting you know they can get four or five knocked out right there mm-hmm. uh, you know and you know a black bear uh, a mountain lion uh so you know, you're going to be able to put together this list and, and you're going to be able to do it multiple times. Um, you know, as long as you don't have, you know, the same, the the exact same animal, Uh, you could do multiple species of the same animal, but, um, or multiple hunts of the same species, but any 10 and, uh, we will, in 2025, we'll start, um, celebrating those hunters accomplishments.
1: That's awesome. And that it's, and I hope people take advantage of that one as, as kind of one to go after. Um, and I have heard that before. Like deer guys are deer guys, right? But if you, if you look at doing this one, it gives you a chance to chase some other deer and, and get some of those experiences. And again, like what is hunting, right? It's the experience and, and being able to pursue wild animals like that. And, and, and I look at if you get to change a chance to do a different type of hunt than what you're normally doing, it just grows you as a hunter.
2: Right, I mean, you're talking about like a Columbia blacktail, yeah. a coos deer, a mule deer, a white tail. I mean, you know, you got forty percent of it knocked out there. You get mm-hmm. a chance to draw an elk hunt. Uh, now you're fifty percent. I mean, it's and 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 really, the, it'll help you kind of progress to those next stages. I mean, the Super Ten is one of the coolest North American hunting awards there is. I mean, it's 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 super cool. It's a super cool accomplishment, but it's difficult. I mean. You know, sheep hunting is expensive and, you know, especially for a younger guy that, you know, for us, you know, he looks at our super 10 list and, you know, the sheep jumps at us at oh, well, I'll never be able to do that. Yep. And, you know, we just kind of lose them. And the, my 10 will allow them to get involved in our organization. And then later in life when they kind of reach their maximum earning potential, they'll realize, you know what, I can't go on a sheep hunt or, yep. you know, I can continue to put in for the draw for the sheep and, and potentially get lucky and go do that and complete my super 10. So, it's a it's a really good opportunity for us to introduce our milestones to a, a lot of new people.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I and there are a couple I wanted to spend on. Obviously, U three is always worth bringing up yeah. um, in my mind because it's probably single handedly the best one you guys started with because you're getting a youth hunters in there. It's it's very achievable, um, but a way to get them involved in hunting and, and kind of pursuing some some other things. Um, just talk over that one real briefly.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, the U three is is really the a, a very cool award, and it, it's cool for more than one reason. Um, it's obviously cool because kids are getting out in the, in, in the outdoors, they're pursuing you know different hunting experiences, different opportunities, but they're doing it with their mom or their dad mm-hmm. or their aunt, or their uncle, or their granddad. It's it's you know. A 12-year-old kid can't go out and hunt by himself in most states. No. So, you know, it requires that interaction with a parent. Um, and, and, you know, I truly believe that's the best way that we're going to be able to make a difference is is engaging the parent to taking the kid hunting. And uh, I think the youth three does a really good job of that. I mean, the parents are just excited about these kids that, you know, in pursuit of these three. And, and we've had a couple walk across the stage with the parents, you know, never really hunted before. So... Really cool, and and again, it's a, it's an antler, a horn, and a predator, and it's it's that simple. It's you know, you get those three in, in North America, and you're under 18 years old, and you know they've achieved the U3. And and to date, um, we, we've got to be approaching probably 60 recipients of that, and and there's a ton of kids that are in pursuit of it. I mean, my son is is one away, so it's uh it's it's really cool.
1: So I have to admit, my daughter's got it. Uh, I know
2: she does. But, I, I remember us talking about it.
1: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get it registered. I was hoping to be able to get her down to convention, but it's in the middle of sports season. You know how that yeah, is. Yeah,
2: I know basketball and, and baseball and youth sports is has gotten to be a, a big thing. But the cool thing is, is, I mean, that's that's another thing. That's getting kids outdoors. That yep. like they're just staying active, and it's definitely better than them sitting on video games all a-
1: day. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Uh, the other, there's some other ones I want to talk on here. The old Rex Baker Forty. Um, yep. I mean, you know me, right? Like I like I like a good challenge. So I, I <laughs> glance over this one, you know, once or twice, just taking a look at it. And uh, one other thing before we talk about this, though, you mentioned the list, right? Like guys that yep. chase the list. Right. Um, and I've had that mentioned about me. Well, you're the list guy, right? You're going down yeah. the list. And I look at it and go, I, I am and I'm, and I'm also not at the same time, right? All right. that all the list does is give me something to go after for right. new places to travel and new yeah, experiences. It's, it's, it's a blueprint for opportunities. Yep, is exactly what it is. And don't get me wrong, like I use whitetail. I love whitetail hunting, absolutely yeah. love whitetail hunting. Right, but I also love experiencing something new, meeting new people, and going to a new place. Yeah like the adventures in Africa or Asia and and some of that stuff yes it's for Asia ones everybody jokes about it right like the guys that go yeah. over there long travel long days in the car food's kind of iffy like but when you get up on some of those mountains and you just look and you're like oh my gosh the history that's here the people are awesome and you're like I would never be here ever be here if it wasn't for hunting right Sure. Like that, that's the sole reason that I'm there and able to experience that, that moment is because I'm there for hunting. So that's where I like it. You, you mentioned the list thing and I'm like, man, I use that kind of as like a guide. Yeah. Not, I'm not there to chat for me personally. Right. I'm not there to, to look at one through 300 and just start at the top right. and cross them all off. I'm right. using that as a blueprint for where I'm going to go and what experiences I'm going to be able to show with other people. Right.
2: And, and I, I think it's like we've talked about before. I mean, everyone wants to jump to the negative of it and, and you call it list or trophy hunter. Again, it's just yep. a label. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we try to, I mean, we're all hunters, how we choose to enjoy it. You know, as long as it's legal and ethical, then I'm not going to have any, anything negative to say about anyone. But, but like you said, I mean, our lists and our awards are a blueprint for guys to go out and experience different things, different cultures. Um, uh, and um different opportunities and, and different ways of hunting and i mean i've I, I learned you know in pakistan that you could hunt walking into the sun with you went at your back with 18 people
1: yeah uh and, you know, and I, of 18 I, people 16 are smoking
2: yeah and i didn't i didn't know you could do that yeah so uh you know I, i've learned a lot of you know different things by experiencing those different places and you know had it not been for grassland Globovis and and that list with those those different opportunities i i you know i probably wouldn't have wouldn't have pursued him or I, you know, I would have pursued him had I known about him, but that's how I knew about him. That's how I learned about him. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I think it's cool. And and I know there's, there's guys out there that completely detest it and I get it. You know, there's, there's people out there that, you know, kind of bash the grand slam because it's expensive and, and and I get it,
3: Uh but
2: you know, that doesn't make that accomplishment any less important for the individual that did it because it is, I mean, all these milestones are incredible accomplishments and, and really, it's
1: it's a contribution to conservation 100 100 and in today's world let's be honest nobody can agree on anything no so some people no, like I, it some don't and it's just one of those things just say with what feels right for you that's right yeah uh okay oh, so yeah. back back onto the rex baker right like i yeah. love i love a good challenge so i like to look at yeah. this one and and go down there like like walk me through how was this one developed Like there's, there's so many things on here. They all make sense. Like, was it sitting down with Rex and being like, Rex is like, man, if I had to do 40, this would be it.
2: It was, and you know, I've gotten to know Rex a little bit more over the last year and a half. And the dude is his memory and, and, and not to, to kind of push people off to the grass club Ovis podcast, but we did a podcast with Rex Baker and, and, and Mark, I'd highly advise you to get Rex on, but just, his memory of the hunts. Uh-huh. And you and I have done this on film, you know, pretty much our entire hunting career. So, you know, we have the films to kind of fall back on yep. if We chose to, but like this guy's got the films all in his head and step by step of, you know, every single one of his hunts, whether it's one of his, I don't know, he's done the Paul five or six times for blue sheep. So it's, this guy is absolutely incredible. Uh, but at the same time, getting into his mind of how he created this list, um, I, I don't know that anybody's been in Rex Baker's mind except for Rex Baker so it's uh, me being able to properly articulate on a podcast of how Rex came up with this is, is going to be impossible. but Brex was a very big part of it. Um, my understanding of, of it was he had you know quite a few more animals on the list and just kind of narrowed it down to these uh-huh. uh, but but a, a super cool list and like it has done really well there are a lot of people in pursuit of this list it's uh it's it's a really cool milestone
1: well just put my name in the hat because i'm yeah going after the darn thing too here so yeah for sure
2: and i mean a lot of the sci members are you know they're kind of latching onto this one also it's Uh
1: it's it's
2: it's really cool and it's 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 one of those lists that that you know getting back to the sci collaboration it's one of those lists that really help merge our two organizations, especially from, you know, the records and the awards aspect.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, magnificent Seven, another one yep. that, I, that I looked at that I wanted to touch base <laughs> on today.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's the Magnificent Seven is, I mean, obviously it's it's a it's a difficult one. Um, that's made up of the Doll, of the Stone, the Desert, the Rocky, the Fan, and the California Bighorn, plus the American Mountain Goat. Mm-hmm. Make up the Magnificent Seven. It's a really, really cool award. Um, you know, the fanning, uh, makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of how many recipients we have of the Manchester seven. I'm going to guess in the sixties.
1: Okay. That's Uh, actually more than what I was thinking. Yeah.
2: But, but not a lot. I mean, that's, that's, you know, not a lot have done it. So it's a, it's a difficult, um, award. I think it's, it's one of those really, really cool awards that kind of, checks the box of mountain species of North America.
1: Yep. And it covers them all, all mountain species. Yeah. All yeah. mountain
2: species. Yeah, really, really cool. And um, I, I like that one a lot. Um, you know, after I complete the, the triple slam, if I'm lucky enough to do so, I, I think this would be my next target uh, of, of one of the uh, milestones.
1: Well, you kind of mentioned the triple slam. That's one I wanted to, to touch base on for people that weren't familiar with it. I'm going to let you describe it. Um, obviously that's, it's one of the ones that I've been able and fortunate enough to complete yeah. and it is a, uh, it's a great one. I mean, super challenging though.
2: Yeah. You know, kind of similar to that of the Magnificent seven. I think the triple slam is kind of that, um, the, the mountain hunting achievement of the world type award, mm-hmm. uh, or, or milestone. I mean, that's made up of, you know, the the recipient of that would have to complete the North American grand slam. Um, 12 Capra and 12 ovis. Um, and that makes up the triple slam. So uh, me personally, uh, that's, that's the thing that drew me to GSEO back when, you know, I started in, in mountain hunting, which, uh, you know, wasn't too long before I met you. Mm-hmm. So um, that was, that was kind of that, that goal that I had personally set for for myself to accomplish that just because I wanted to see those different parts of the world, the different cultures, Uh, little did I know exactly what it was that I would experience and it was far greater than, than what I thought it would be.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know how it is once you start, like somebody goes on their first sheep hunt, right? Normally we get a person that goes on their one sheep hunt. Doesn't just go on one. It's kind of, you get, you get that addicted to being up in the mountains that challenging both physically and mentally. And and this one takes it to all different levels because it's North America and international, which just adds a whole bunch to it.
3: It does
2: not. I, I think it's I mean, the Capra
1: especially. I mean the
2: we the 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 appeal of the sheep, especially in North America, it's I mean, you know, that's beyond comprehension at this point. I mean, that's that's just, you know, the sheep in North America are on such a pedestal. Yep. Um uh, but the Capra hunts, oh, man, I just I enjoy those so much. I mean, they're challenging. Uh, you know, they, they say that, you know, goat hunting starts starts where sheep hunting stops. Um, and um, it's from from a value standpoint. I mean, that's that's probably one of the coolest hunts, um, in the world, including North America. I mean, it's just
1: I love hunting the capper species, especially the ibex. Yeah, I, I ibex is awesome. There's no other yeah. way to put it. Ibex is just awesome. I mean, just from
2: a value standpoint, I mean, people want to talk about the negativity of you know stone cheap, you know getting yep. so expensive mm-hmm. but i mean you could there's plenty of places in the world that you can go capra hunting for you know a fraction of that cost um i mean ibex of uh let's see kyrgyzstan or tajikistan i mean those are still you know relatively cheap hunts mm-hmm. uh, to do and, and the experience and the adventure value is off the chart yeah for sure
1: for sure all right last one i wanted to cover today the pantheon award like this is yep. the joint one. This is you mentioned it earlier with um, SCI and Grand Slam Club coming together here at the convention, and this is a shared award. Um, no better way to end the award talk than this, then.
3: Yeah,
2: um, and that's really that—that's that's the only award that really that I know of that doesn't have a committee. Mm-hmm. Um, you complete these certain hunts and, and successfully complete them, then then you're in. And, um, obviously the, the GSL aspect of it is the Grand Slam, uh, the Ovis World Slam Super 30 and the Capra World Slam Super 30, um, which is, you know, the sheep and the goats and then the, the Super Slam, you know, the 29 North American big game and SCI's awards. I may mess this up, Mark, but it's the, I think it's the World Conservation Hunting Award. Mm-hmm. And, um. Uh, that's the SCI grand slams and the diamond level and all the inner circles. Uh, And and I I apologize. I'm not as familiar with the SCI side of it, but I think that pretty much, you know, narrows it down. I think it's the world conservation hunting award um, and all the SCI grand slams and reach the diamond level of all the inner circles. I think that's what it is.
1: Just the it's, I mean, it is that right. It's the pinnacle. It's
2: pretty much hunting the world. Yep. Yep. I mean, if I'm going to sum it up, you've hunted the world. Um, you're a pretty incredible hunter. Um, uh, you've you know, you've had the the luxury and and the benefit of being able to do so and from a conservation standpoint you've contributed a considerable amount of money uh and time to the conservation of the species. Yeah.
1: That's just it. It's the so, the pinnacle award you put it that way. It's the top of the top.
2: It is. And and the cool thing is it's it's an objective award. Yep. I mean it's you know, it's there's no committee. You know, it's not I don't want this person to get it or that person and I and I I'm sure that doesn't happen. But you accomplished those things, uh, which I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean a grand slam, the over thirty, the capra thirty, SCI's, um World Conservation and Hunting Award, which is a huge deal. And uh, you know, the all their grand slams and their inner circles at the diamond level, which has uh I'm probably, if if I were to go through and, and enter all my stuff into SCI, I'm probably a fraction way through that. So they'd probably laugh at me and say, I thought you'd been hunting. <laughs> yeah, I
1: thought, I thought you did this for a living. Yeah, no, I thought no. this is what you did. No, yeah. No, and that's one I, like you mentioned earlier, one of your buddies was um, going through and doing it, but he hadn't entered any in yet. He was going to do yeah. it all at the end. Yeah. Um, that's how I've got a lot of my stuff with SCI. Yeah. Um, one, I probably won't enter the score in a lot. I'm just going to do the pitcher entry on right. it. Um, yeah. But it's when I look there and I'm, it's just my mindset, right? Do I enter it in as I go, continuous? Yeah. I'm one that well, looks at I mean, it, I, complete it, and then I get
2: it in. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how the recognition process goes for SCI along the way. But the reason it's, it's really important to do for GSCO is, you know, the, one of the other things that we do that's completely different than most is, you know, our quarterly magazine, Is full of those reports and you'd be surprised at how many guys are kind of vicariously living through you or, you know, cheering you on Mm -hmm. or, or or have a general, like a real interest in, in the success of your hunts. For sure. And that's, what's cool about, you know, our magazine now we're about a year behind in reports, which is a good thing because we just can't put them all in the magazine, you know, all in one magazine because of space. But, um, it's, it's really cool how you know our members get to follow along other members and and celebrate those accomplishments because that's really with the exception of you know the one time a year that we get together at the conventions that's really our opportunity to get to know each other through that magazine so um all those listening that that participate in gscl's milestones i would highly encourage you to submit your reports just so that we can you know one follow along in, in your progress but two get to know you and and uh and and celebrate in, in those achievements.
1: Yeah. Well, as we as we end it here, for anybody that um doesn't know, you guys have your own podcast. TJ Sanchez hosts it. Um yep. and has had some awesome guests on in the past, right? Like Rex Baker, one that if you if you sit there and listen to his stories, I remember seeing him at one event and he was and Rex is in his upper 70s, if not early yeah. 80s now. And he was talking just about how he got done free diving with uh, big groups of tuna. Yeah. Right before, like days before. And I'm like, what? And that was yeah, just his, that was his Wednesday, right? Like that's yeah, his Wednesday. Yeah, he's one of those guys
2: you could sit down and talk to for hours. Yep. Um, and, and one, because he's experienced just almost everything you could experience in the hunting world. But just the recollection of those experiences is phenomenal. Um, yeah, I would highly advise, he's probably going to be mad at me if he hears I said this, but if you guys see him at the conventions or um, definitely, you know, stop and, and talk to him, it'll be uh You'll be glad you did.
1: Got lots of, lots of stories. I've actually got, um, so TJ and I are going to do a, a dual podcast coming up later this week Yeah, as well. He, he drew a awesome elk take through us and shot a slammer bull. So I want to hear about that and then everything else he's got going on. And I know he's got a bunch of stories just to share from the podcast he's been doing as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, we did that one uh, last year with you guys where you guys kind of did a share. Well, that was cool. Uh, yeah. I thought that went really well. Um, I think, you know, getting you two guys on one podcast and, and talking about those hunting stories is is, is definitely interesting for me. So um, I know the listeners like those.
1: Yeah. And I'm clicking on here. I, for, I forgot. I actually uh, hunted with somebody, you know, pretty well this past year, Jake Franklin over there in California. Oh, yeah. Jake, Jake uh, uh, I
2: actually talked to him about your hunt. That was that, I heard that was a great hunt.
1: It was. We went on the old California safari, I guess you could say. Yeah. We, were, we were covering far and wide over there.
2: Jake is such a great dude. Um, he is a, a huge asset for our hunting community, um, and a, a member of GSEO. He's a really, really good friend, and uh, and as you can attest to, it's it's fun to be around him.
1: And it's it's one of those things, right? Until you get to spend some time in the field with a guy. You you know him, but you don't, and then after spending, I don't know, eight or nine days with Jake, you're like, I mean, we text all the time now, right? He's yeah. that he's that type of dude. He's yeah, down he to is. earth. He's di- but he's dialed in. I mean, if he tells you something, it's spot on. Yeah. And if he he's twenty years mentally
2: older than he is physically.
1: Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. He's an he's an old soul over there, I guess you he could is. say. He yep. is. And and
2: I and I hope he takes that in a negative way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, listen, I can tell you there's a story behind this. But when I, I hope I see him in a bar or standing there at some point because I am going to 100% send him a Shirley Temple. And there's a long story behind that of somebody else that sent him, and you may know the story. Yeah. And he told it, and I absolutely loved it. And I hit him with, man, anytime I see you and there's any drink anywhere near, you're going to just have a, a – just. Shirley Temple's over top of you and you're going to be sitting there looking around the room and just look for me over in the corner with a thumbs up going right at you. Uh,
2: oh, he's such a great, he's such a
1: great guy. Yeah. No, that's awesome. But man, thanks for hopping on today, Jason. I got to apologize for that, that blunder in the, in the beginning there that, you know, spent a couple minutes. I'm sure Jack's gonna throw in there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be real disappointed if the listeners don't
2: get to hear it. Um, I mean, I had to endure it there for the first three minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but
2: you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, this is this is another prime opportunity to to play those bloopers. So. Hey,
1: everybody! Welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. We've got a good one today, and one I've been looking. Looking forward to for a while. I've got Jason Price, the executive director of Grand Clam. Oh, I got to start that over. That's a tear. I just spit that. I'm glad to see I'm oh, not the only one that messes gosh. up. All right, Jack. Yep, you know, You're going to have to completely ignore that one. We're going to hop back into Glenn it. Glan Slam. Oh, I know. I got it. The tongue twisted. You should leave that stuff on there, actually. It makes it more real. Oh, I'm sure Jack will put it on at the end or something like that. Just <laughs> yeah. Rogan doesn't do that. All right. Here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within podcast. Got a special guest, and this is one I've been looking forward to for a while and getting Jason Price back on here. Jason is the executive director of Grand Clan. Oh, my God. (laughs) What is going on? Oh,
2: Oh. oh. hi. If you could do it one more time. (laughs)
1: Okay, here we go. Are we ready now? This one's dead. Jack hey, is hundred percent.
2: We went from gland to clam. <laughs> I got it.
1: All right, Jack is a. I've never had this before either. And of course, it's with you.
2: Well, I mean, it's, it might be a little bit of a tongue twister. I don't know.
1: Grand Slam Club Ovis. <laughs> I got it right there. See, I got it. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, no problem. We're back into yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Grand. Oh my God. <laughs> Hey, you want me to do <laughs> <laughs> you No, know, so now I can now, hey, now here's it's... the problem though.
2: You know when you get on those rolls like that, <laughs> man, it's like you gotta shovel and you just put it on top.
1: It's ah all right. We're we're a minute forty four in here, and I haven't even spit out the opening yet. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, well, perfect. I know you're a busy guy. You got lots going yeah. on. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps. Do you wanna book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you wanna start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.